What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. And hello there. Welcome back in. It is the latest edition of the SportsMediaWatch.com podcast. I am the somewhat capable, somewhat rested host. It's a busy time of the year. I have made a list and I'm checking it twice, but I can't say that I've followed through as of yet. I am merely TJ Reeves. He is the purveyor, the owner, the operator, the guy you read all the time on SportsMediaWatch.com. Hello, Paulson, a.k.a. John Lewis, back aboard for another week. How are things? I cannot believe, as I say this to you, that we are now within the final four weeks of 2021. It's about to be done. How are you? I, uh, you know, I'm getting by, right? Uh, Semesters are uh, accelerating, uh, you know. I mean, what else can be said but that? (laughs) about to be done with a semester now kind of like in my house the countdown is on between my my teenage daughters and everybody in school of how many days left until you get the winter break the christmas break the holiday break whatever they want to call it now and uh, and let the fun begin at the end of the year um all right so much to get to here reminder again however you discovered this podcast hopefully uh, a lot of you are already doing this, but if not, whether you found us through a social media link, whether you found us through John's site, sportsmediawatch.com, easiest way to get this podcast is to follow or subscribe. Follow us on Apple Podcast or Spotify. Once again, John, I distinguish for the audience, you do not have to pay for this podcast on Apple Podcast or Spotify, so we don't use the word subscribe with them. Follow on those two outlets. Subscribe everywhere else. It's free to get through Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spreaker, etc. Subscribe away. We're usually out early in the week with some takes. John is uh, throwing fastballs. He's bringing the heat on a regular basis early in the week on the SportsMediaWatch.com podcast. We kind of set the table for how the week is going to go. So always appreciate that uh, from him. But again, you'll get it automatically if you are subscribed whenever it is released. And we have lots to talk about, including uh, the culmination of the college football season, a very successful Saturday for CBS, for Fox, for the networks uh, with their college football. The NFL continues to rock along with its humongous ratings as well. So football sells big. Let's just begin right there. Uh, the the college football championship game weekend traditionally, again, is appointment TV, kind of like what we've talked about in recent weeks. It delivered again with an Alabama upset of Georgia that set the uh, the viewership pace, if you will, with over 15 million eyeballs on CBS. So, John, what's what's your reaction to the SEC upset of of number one Georgia scoring big in the ratings, kind of as expected. Was it as big a number as you thought it might be for the Alabama win? 
No, honestly. Uh, I mean, it was a big number. Don't get me wrong, but I thought it would do better than Michigan, Ohio State. It came close. Uh, big number, big number. Don't get me wrong. Not a disappointment, but uh, you know, Alabama, Georgia, if it had been a bit of a closer game, I think CBS would have been even happier than it was. And Alabama surprisingly won yeah, that one. That was not close. Easily, easily uh, in that one. And the Big Ten title game that followed basically almost unopposed. I mean, no disrespect to Pittsburgh and Wake Forest, but like you said on the podcast either last week, I think it was last week, what is that game doing in prime time versus the Houston-Cincinnati game that had much more potential drama with an unbeaten team? But still, the game got about $11 million. Again, though, for that one, a blowout the whole second half. Once you got into the 10 p.m. Eastern time, 10.30 Eastern time, hour and windows, unless you were a hardcore Michigan fan, a gambler interested in certain angles, I don't know what else was there because they drubbed Iowa, and it obviously affected their ratings some. I know CBS was touting it's the biggest SEC title game going back to 2018. How did the Big Ten title game do in primetime? I know you look this up compared to 2019, 2018. Was it still down because of the blowouts somewhere in that neighborhood? Probably. I would speculate, yes. Well, going to be a lot bigger than last year because that was a noon Eastern game. So you're going to do better. And big noon is big, but, you know, primetime for the Big Ten championship has typically been where you get the biggest numbers. Uh, not as big as 2019 because Michigan is not as big a, a draw as Ohio State. Uh, Michigan may have beaten Ohio State this year, but they're not going to beat Ohio State in the ratings, right? Ohio State is the bigger draw. Uh, so about 2 million shy of Ohio State, Wisconsin back in 19. Uh, ultimately, still, if you're Fox, you got to be pretty happy uh, with a game of that quality, 11 million viewers. I mean, Fox isn't getting that for anything else outside of NFL football. That's a World Series-level audience, actually, isn't it? Yeah. They, four they, six World Series games. they did deliver. And as you mentioned, uh, and we did talk about this before, they rotate it. Uh, and again, this is uh, the Big Ten's agreement with Fox. Um, and uh, and also they, ha they have agreements with ESPN during the season. So they rotate it around because the game was at noon. It's been at noon some in the past and some in primetime uh, in the past. So in this case... Uh, Michigan is back. Uh, there's not enough love-hate. I agree with them, but they are back, and they're back in the college football playoff uh, as well. Hey, just weigh in, because I didn't have you uh, say anything about this last week. It is a totally subjective process. People need to understand this with the college football playoff selection. For example, I kept saying all Saturday night after Alabama had won, there is no way they are putting Alabama and Georgia as the immediate rematch in the semifinals in their final four. They will mess with the numbers, one playing four, two playing three, where those two aren't going to play each other. So subjectively, they placed Michigan with Georgia. Cincinnati got in. They placed them with Alabama. What are your thoughts on how ESPN controls this and, and has the influence over the committee to the, to the point that television has helped dictating the matchups for the semifinals. What are your thoughts, John? Well, I don't think, you know, they need ESPN to care about ratings, right? I mean, if Fox had the rights or CBS, they'd be doing the same stuff. The reality is people are upset about, you know, having to sit through another Alabama-Georgia national championship, the third all-SEC championship game in a decade. And I don't want to see that either. But, you know, if you don't want to see it, then get the other conferences to do well. You know, I mean, ultimately, look, Alabama has a one-loss team that, granted, their one loss was to a Texas A&M team that isn't that impressive. Georgia is a one-loss team that lost to Alabama. You know, you can't tell me that one loss Alabama or one loss Georgia 
should be ranked lower than an undefeated Cincinnati team that, well, you know what? Cincinnati went on the road and beat Notre Dame. That's so correct. maybe, maybe I'm, maybe I'm way off, you know, I don't know. I mean, ultimately the way that the committee did it means that we might actually not have an all sec matchup in, in this, right. Maybe Cincinnati wins, maybe Michigan wins and you don't get the all sec matchup. Uh, and had they done it where Alabama and Georgia played each other, not only would you ensure an all sec matchup, you're also guaranteeing that an sec team will play for the title. Well, maybe it'll be Michigan Cincinnati, right. Right. You know, and, and, and maybe the libertarian candidate will win the election or two, right? But, you know, I mean, the libertarian might have a better chance than either uh, Michigan or both Michigan and Cincinnati pulling the upset. The libertarian might have the better chance at the upset uh, yeah. than that. I'm just going at it from the subjective part of this. For example, in the NFL playoffs, Everybody earns their way in and is seated. We know that. Same thing with the NBA playoffs. The NCAA basketball committee goes out of their way to say that there is some subjectivity, but there's a lot of computer formula on who the top seeds are, the second seeds, the third seeds. There's, there's some input of computers and formula, but they're sitting there ranking them. For example, if Alabama had lost to Georgia, they weren't only going to be not number one. They weren't going to be in the top four. They probably wouldn't have even finished in the top six as right. it turned out. But the subjective part said, hey, put them in at number one. In Cincinnati's case, they were having to hope that some of the big boys lost, which ended up happening late in the year because subjectively the committee eventually moved them into the four spot and got them there. So people are all hung up on, uh, on the subjectivity of this. It's humans. It's a vote and they want, they want ratings out of this. They're looking most of all to get ratings out of this. Well, you know, look, the fact of the matter is it is all subjective. It is, you know, one, if you have a problem with it, then have a problem with, you know, the recruiting advantage. Students are going to go where they have the best chance of winning. I'm sick and tired of UConn in women's basketball, but guess what? They keep getting Paige Beckers and Az, uh, Az, I guess, because it's Jennifer Az. So I guess it must be pronounced Az, Az yes. Fudd and all these other uh, players. You know, I mean, I'm I'm sick of UConn. I'm sick of Bama. I'm in, in football, and I'm sick of you know Duke and men's college basketball. You know, but people are going to go where they believe they have the best chance of winning. They're going to go to Kentucky. They're going to go to you know, North Carolina. And at a certain point, you can't ask the committee to take a lesser team just because it's different. And if Oklahoma State hadn't, you know, blown it against Baylor, and they would have been left out because you can't tell me that Alabama isn't better than Oklahoma State, right? You know, I mean, it's not fun. And the whole reason we do this is so that it can be fun. Oh, well, you know, I, I mean, this is... Is this better than the BCS? Yeah. Is it better than the previous system where sometimes the national champion wasn't even playing at the national championship game? Yeah, it's better than that too. Is it a great system? It's not, right? You know, uh, I mean, I don't know. Is it weird that uh, the, a former secretary of state is helping to decide who plays at the <laughs> national championship? Yeah, it's weird, okay? It's bizarre. I just... You know, I, I think to get the kind of playoff you want, you're going to need to treat these players like pro athletes even more than they are. 
if you've ever taught a student athlete, it's, I mean, one, student athletes are very smart. There's a misperception that they're not. Uh, you know, some of my best students have been student athletes, um, you know, but they don't have the time. I've had student athletes, they're just gone. You know, they're just gone for weeks at a time, you know, and it's not even just because, you know, sometimes it's the Big Ten tournament, right? But, and sometimes it's, you know, a much smaller event and they're just, they're not in the classroom for ages and ages. So if you want to have the kind of playoff that we need to have, then they're going to need to be out of the classroom what how many what a full month how long did the nba playoffs last well right and you look at march i was just thinking this when you were saying that to bring it to the ncaa basketball tournament both men's and women's if you are succeeding and you're succeeding at the highest level regularly you're playing three or four weekends every march your conference tournament plays out and then you usually get past the first weekend so you're playing at least three weekends where you're gone with the travel etc and if they are looking to expand this playoff the very interesting thing john while we're on this subject and we'll move on to some other things here on the sportsmediawatch.com podcast is the first round would be immediate it would be after final exams typically or maybe even in some cases where final exam week is going on that's a whole nother bugaboo but right after championship week, you would play the first round, the the round of eight, the quarterfinals, if you will, if they settle on eight teams. And I believe ultimately that's what the number is going to be on the expansion is eight, not 12. Uh, that's just world according to TJ. So the first week would be now, and then you would still leave intact the potential two weekends in uh, in January for the final four and the championship game. So for four teams, it would be an extra week. For two teams, it would be an extra two weeks off of your playoff uh, if that's the case. Now, there's some thought, just by the way, that they would play those quarterfinals as bowl games later in December, where you're essentially going to play three consecutive weekends in December. And again, that's usually different. John, help me with this, because most of the time school is out and you're not dealing with school. And that's why that would work. Do you have a thought on if that would be better than doing it immediately after championship week? My thought is, don't you think these students deserve a little time off? You know, that's my thought. And I, I just feel like, one, a lot of older folks are in this kind of mindset of, oh, I went to college in 1980 with John Belushi, and it was a whole lot of fun, right? You know, we, <laughs> it was all Animal House. Mr. You know, Blutarski, very nice yeah. reference, yes. yes Zero the, point uh, zero. Yeah, yes. the Skip Bayless rating from FS1. <laughs> But, you know, look, university life is not easy. The students are burned out. They were burned out before COVID. They're burned out, especially with COVID. Student athletes are going to be burned out as well. Like, what is wrong with us that, like, we just kind of, this is, college is not what it used to be. It's, it's labor for students, right? I mean, granted, you know, I think, it's not as bad to be an undergrad as it is to be a, a master's student or a PhD student, right? Because you actually have to read the books when you're a master's or PhD student. When you're an undergrad, you can get by without even doing that. But it's still a lot of work. It's uh, a lot of time. Uh, it's a lot of pressure. And especially when you're doing a full-time job of being a student athlete, plus also the full-time job of being a student, come on. So I would love to see a real playoff, but you know, I mean, then pay them like a professional salary or, or just don't require them to go to class. You know, I mean, that might be the solution. 
Because if you're going to require them to go to class, then how can you justify, oh, let's, you know, have X amount of rounds of playoffs. It's already too much. And again, they deserve a little time off. Everybody does. I'll tell you something else. The instructors need a little time off too, right? All so of us. Everybody All needs of us. a little bit of time off in this business. Well, and you bring up a great point because it used to be, here again, we go back to 1980 or the dark ages that everybody knows. It was a 10-game college football season, not 12, no championship games for the 13th game, John, 10 games. And then they would select the bowls and the bowls would be about five, six weeks later, depending on when you played, including inning around New Year's Day. So we have progressed from that. The season is now longer in the regular season. There's a championship game that means for two teams, it's a 13th game. Now you're talking about a 14th and a 15th game just to make the championship game of the college football playoff if you're able to win. It's Something an extra month of work. Oh, it's an extra no month doubt. Of work. And practice and training and weight training and all the, the you know film study and meetings. And it is, it is a lot. There is no doubt about that. Let's move on to the NFL. Uh, again, another uh, successful weekend for the National Football League. I, I don't have the ratings in front of me, but I do know that Pittsburgh-Baltimore game, which was the late window game on CBS, dramatic finish where the Ravens went for two. Let's have fun on the SportsMediaWatch.com podcast. CBS might have been rooting for an overtime, might have been rooting for John Harbaugh to kick the extra point when the uh, Raven scored late in the game. Instead, he went for two. They missed. It's a dramatic finish. What, weigh in on that, where the network might have wanted this to go on for another 10 or 15 minutes because the NFL does so well. But the Ravens went for the win. They missed. And that was the game that most of the country was seeing, Pittsburgh and Baltimore. It was a dramatic game. The NFL does a good job giving you a great product every week, which is a very different thing than a few years ago. You know, uh, I've mentioned this before, but everyone was freaking out at the NFL. Oh, it's all about Kaepernick. Oh, everyone's offended. You know, those games were terrible a couple of years ago. Every week it was a blowout. It was boring. Mm. The NFL is a great product right now. It's had a very fortunate season. And yeah, I think CBS wouldn't have minded uh, pushing 60 minutes back a little bit further, right? 60 minutes does remarkably well for network TV, but you're talking about 21 million versus 10 million. You could use uh, maybe 15 more minutes of that 21 million, I'd, I'd say. No doubt. Something that was interesting, I want your thought on this. The Buffalo-New England game, which was also dramatic, and the Patriots continue to win even without Tom Brady now. Bill Belichick has righted the ship. By the way... I am somebody as a host that has regularly done this for 30 years of a career. I know I don't look like it, John, but I've been doing this for 30 years. I will admit when I was wrong. Remember those episodes of Happy Days While I Digress where Henry Winkler as the Fonz could never say I was wrong and he would stop. They had that one episode where he was like, I was woo, I was woo, and everybody's laughing in the studio audience. He could never admit he was wrong. Well, I, I can admit that I'm woo, woo, wrong. I can admit that I'm wrong. I thought the Patriots were going to be bad again this year especially with rookie quarterback Mac Jones out of Alabama. No matter how many talented, this is not the SEC. There's a learning curve in the NFL. The Patriots are winning. Give them a lot of credit. They've now won seven in a row. It's great for the NFL because that's a love-hate brand that is now yeah. back relevant again. So good for them. They won the Monday night game in Buffalo. They spoiled it for the Bills having a home Monday night game after having such a great season last year, a late season game with Buffalo. The winds were 35 to 40 miles an hour, though. The snow was coming down. So in this game, John, they had all kinds of different factors. One of them was they could not use on Monday Night Football with ESPN the Skycam, which we've become so accustomed to, and it's second nature to have replays from it and great angles. 
The SkyCam is remotely controlled. It's got guide wires holding it up. When I'm at an NFL game on the radio sideline, you often see that thing come right by your head and right over the top of you. Mm. Different sides of the field. They couldn't have it in the 40-mile-an-hour winds. So they, they took it down a couple of hours before the game. Too dangerous. Don't want it to fall on players. It was interesting that late in the game, the New England Patriots tried a fourth down quarterback sneak and Buffalo thought they had stopped them in what would have been the go ahead clinching field goal drive in the fourth quarter. And you didn't have a great angle from the side on either of the angles ESPN had. They had a couple of angles that sky cam had it been stabilized over the top of the line of scrimmage might have given you the angle you needed so it's just interesting while we talk media, that was part of the ending of the game. They didn't have a good angle because there was no sky cam that we've almost become accustomed to just second nature. It's going to be there to help us give uh, replays and better viewing. Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting. One, we just never think of these things as having any safety uh, implications at all anyway. Right. But uh, ultimately, you know, there's uh, certainly risk there when you've got a gigantic apparatus flying around the, uh, uh, the, the field. And, you know, the other thing, we don't really think about weather uh, with, with all of this. It's going to be interesting um, not to go off on a climate change discussion or anything like mm-hmm. that. But if we start to see more like major weather issues, like start to affect the broadcasts, it's going to be very interesting to see like what, what will be done. Uh, and, uh, you know, I mean, we don't need Skycam all the time. And certainly in those situations, I'm sure they could come up with wasn't this supposed to be like a first down marker cam, kind of like the pylon it's, cam? It's still there. They had it last night. They had a controversial at the time. We're taping Tuesday. They had a controversial fourth down in the fourth quarter where they had a first down cam shot of, jo- of Josh Allen, the Buffalo quarterback, trying to lean the ball out while he's getting hit. And, you know, were they going to review it? Was Sean McDermott, the coach, going to challenge it? So those innovations with the cameras in the pylon or on the first down marker help give you great views it's amazing the technology that exists. My joke is we should have been the, the people that invented those because they're multi, multi, multi-millionaires at, the, yeah. <laughs> at this point for coming well, the up with those little cam, cameras. It was perfect on the Baylor-Oklahoma State game. Oh, right? what a shot of the Oklahoma State player trying to score the go-ahead touchdown and the Baylor player makes the tackle at the one-yard line to save the win, to help Cincinnati stay alive for the playoff, et cetera. Yeah. Great shot. Uh, Let me just add... So, yeah. The vulnerability of Skycam to weather means yeah. you can't do the full Skycam broadcast. Remember NBC was doing that a little bit? They had a couple of games. They back had in bad the games. I, you and I on the same week, they had bad games, so they showed the whole game as if it is playing John Madden video game yeah. from the Skycam. What did you think about that, by the way, when they did that? Did you, did you watch that game? Because I could only watch a little of it before I was almost. I don't care what my rooting interest my gambling interest, if I have one, fantasy football interest, if I have one, I just I couldn't stay with having the sky cam for the whole game. What did you think of that when they did that, by the way? Well, you know, the irony is that the reason they did that the first time was weather related. The fog was so thick. It was the Falcons Patriots. It was a Super Bowl rematch. The fog was so thick they could only use the sky cam. They did it again on one of those awful Thursday night games, so low point of Thursday night football, when sometimes it was on CBS, sometimes it was on NBC. You know, every week it was a different theme song. It was awful. And they used it on some terrible Titans game uh, that they they had that, that year. I mean, look, it was an interesting try. It was intriguing at the time. 
But, you know, the NFL, uh, they've been doing it for, what, 50, 60 years, a certain way. There's a reason why, not just because they lack the uh, creativity to do it differently, but because one way is proven. Uh, so uh, certainly I'm not surprised that that fell out of favor. And uh, yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, I don't know. Skycam is good in replace. Well, right. And, and the technology is different from game to game to game, even in the NFL. And that's one of the criticisms you do. You do have such high tech replay, slow-mo replays now, but certainly for Thursday night football, Fox currently for Sunday night football, NBC, Monday night football, ESPN, they have more cameras, more replays. Again, there to that point, there was a play in the new England game where on a punt, the ball bounced on the ground, bounced near a new England player, and you couldn't tell if it touched him. The Baltimore players reacted like it did touch him. ESPN showed about four super slow-mo, high-def, 4K, whatever looks, and they finally got a good look where the ball grazed his helmet. His head is pointed down, and the ball barely nicked his helmet and changed direction. And on a typical NFL broadcast or CBS on CBS or Fox, John, they wouldn't have had that many views of it. So a national standalone night game is going to give you better replays and a better chance to overturn a call that's missed on the field. And Buffalo fan is still bemoaning. They didn't get a great enough look on that fourth down play and the call stood. It was a first down new England. They killed the clock some more. They kicked the field goal. They eventually stopped the Patriots and won the game uh, at the end for, uh, for that. All right. You know, um, I mean, yeah, if, that had, if that had gone the other way, uh, the Patriots would have been fine. They've got their own cameras. Very nice one-liner. Get the New England uh, hidden camera angles on whether or not that was a first down or not. They, hey, they're forever going to be the punchline because they were doing what they were doing. That's going to lead us to something fun that we like to do at the end of the podcast. Several good subjects coming right here, at least I think. Here we go. Love it or leave it. One thing that you've been talking about and writing about on sportsmediawatch.com is the NBA has now flexed out of some games. They're taking a page out of the NFL's book with Sunday night football and even Monday night football on being able to flex out of games. So they flexed out of a situation last week. Explain that. And do you love this? Do you love the fact that they're moving games in standalone situations out of a certain night with advance notice? What did they do? And do you like it? Well, you know, the NBA's always had flex scheduling. They just didn't call it flex scheduling. Uh, but, you know, the, like, for example, the year Jordan came back in 01, NBC tore up its schedule, what, maybe a month before the season was supposed to start. And uh, then with the NFL getting pushed back a week because of 9-11, they had to tear up their schedule even more. You know, so it, it's pretty typical. I mean, you go back decades to find that. Uh, in this particular instance, it got a lot of attention because anything involving LeBron brings out the usual, uh, you know, the usual riffraff, right? Everything about LeBron is some kind of big controversy. And, uh, you know, it's actually interesting. A lot of people thought Kevin Durant was insulting LeBron when KD said that uh, LeBron invites a toxic atmosphere. I mean, it's true though. And I don't necessarily think LeBron's trying, but everything that is right. about, everything that's about LeBron brings out the Skip Bayless types, every single like, conservative writer like just all sorts of man this guy has the most haters i've ever seen ever in the nba he's got bonds and a-rod level haters and uh to my knowledge he's not done anything that bonds and a-rod have done <laughs> knock on wood right. that we don't hear otherwise uh but um you know look uh, when it comes down to it 
this was a circumstance. The Lakers are crummy. They're 12 and 12. The Clippers aren't much better. They were 11 and 12 uh, going into the game. In fact, the Clippers were 11 and 11 and the Lakers were 12 and 11 entering the game. Meanwhile, the Warriors and Suns were about to play two best records in the league. The Warriors are a better draw than the Lakers right now. A lot of people like to, uh, you know, argue that Steph has been more popular than LeBron for a while. I don't really think that's true. I think they trade off depending on who's doing better. The last couple of years, LeBron's team's been doing better. The Warriors are in the lottery. Lakers were a better draw. Well, guess what? The Warriors are really good. The Lakers aren't very good. The Warriors are a better draw. So you have the Warriors, best draw in the league, going up against the team with the second best record on like an 18-game winning streak. It was a no-brainer. So I don't know why anybody would have thought that that was even notable. And, you know, the whole idea of Stephen A. Smith going on first take on about the Lakers are bordering on irrelevance. If only, because it would mean that, you know, you wouldn't be talking about them. Wouldn't that be wonderful? <laughs> right? So to bring it back, the, uh, how often are they able to do this? Are they able to do it as much as they want? Or do they only have a certain number of times where ESPN or Turner, who have the national deals, can maybe flex out of a game? What about it? And how does it work? I'm pretty sure ESPN and Turner can flex at will just because okay. their interest in flex scheduling is going to be the NBA's interest. I don't think there's any limits. Uh, certainly there's a limit on the number of times you can feature a team before you have to black it out in the local market. So for example, if you go over your limit on Laker games, every Laker game over that limit, the national broadcast will be blacked out in LA. So you, you do want to avoid that, but I mean, honestly, the networks have been blowing past those limits year after year and just dealing with, okay, we'll ear the Lakers or the Warriors, but they have a big enough national audience that even without the local audience, we'll still do well. That's so I have another question too, because I don't know this. I don't follow it as closely as you do, as John Lewis gives us his wisdom and his insight here. This is what he does on sportsmediawatch.com. I know Turner stopped doing the Thursday night standalone doubleheader where those were the only four teams playing, where anybody watching on TV is only watching those games. Do they still have that situation on Turner or I don't think it's on ESPN, but on Turner, where those are the only games being played and it makes it more difficult to flex out of that if they're the only ones, right? Well, yeah. I mean, tonight there's only three games on the schedule. Two of them are on TNT and the other is a Nick Spurs game on League Pass, right? That's the way it's been since Turner uh, switched to this model in 2002-03. The NBA has kind of loosened that a bit. There are some Tuesdays or Thursdays where TNT has games and there's other, you know, and it's a fairly full slate of games, but even next week, there's two other games on, on the night when TNT has a doubleheader, right? You know, and the week after that, there's four other games on. So it's a little bit of a, you know, a more populous, uh, uh, populated schedule. But for the most part, Turner's going up unopposed. And, you know, one of the things the NBA has done that really hurt uh, the league, I think, in terms of ratings, they used to give ABC time slot exclusivity. ABC would have the one in 3.30 Sunday doubleheader. And even if there was another game going on, it could not be televised locally. So one, you didn't have a lot of games going on opposite the ABC game. And if there was one, couldn't watch it. Now that ABC does the Saturday night game, for example, they're going to start their schedule that uh, they they plan to this coming Saturday uh, with Warriors Sixers. There's going to be five other games on in that time slot. Uh, Jazz, Wizards, Kings, Cavs, Bulls, Heat, Rockets, Grizzlies, Nuggets, Spurs. Not, not great games, although Bulls, Heat is a pretty decent game. But still, in those markets you just rattled off, there are a lot of fans that are going to watch at least some or a lot of their game as exactly. opposed to that national game. 
And that's right. something that has happened ever since they went to that Saturday night game in 16. They no longer have that time slot exclusivity where if ABC was airing a game, that was the only game you could watch, even if your team was playing uh, in that same window. Interesting. I love the education on this. So he's kind of a love it. I will, I will assess on my own. You're kind of a love it on the flex scheduling. Not a I'm a, I, I always enjoy flex scheduling. You know what I would love to see them bring back is their regional game. NBC used to do that a lot back in the day. Uh, and uh, I know it's, it doesn't make any sense. They don't even do regional games on college football anymore. But I always thought it was a good way to feature more teams without necessarily showing, you know, the jazz to a nationwide audience. The jazz probably can't pull a nationwide audience. But maybe you show the jazz in Utah and Denver, that general area, you know, with the rivals. And, you know, maybe you get a better local rating. They're probably going to watch the jazz more in Utah than the magic you know. and that's the, and that is the difference in the present day the last 10 years the last 20 years than what it was in the 80s and the 90s you're exactly right where you weren't getting every game on even in your regional or local market so it was a big deal that those games were on regionally on network tv and you got to see them because it was more of an opportunity with the nba and with other sports let's move along a couple more real quick love it or leave it Heisman Trophy Ceremony is coming Saturday night on ESPN. Again, Bryce Young, the Alabama quarterback, played so well in the championship game. I did a couple of his games, John, on national radio with Tiki Barber and with Steve Berline. Uh, this season, he's fantastic. He's likely going to win. I'm coming at it with the way ESPN does the full one-hour buildup, all the buildup on Friday and Saturday off of the off the TV show where they've got Sports Center and all their other shows, their opinion talk shows, playing up the Heisman. The Heisman hype and the way they execute that show, do you love it or do your eyes glaze over? I'm using that again here, and now you mainly just leave it and you wait for the soundbite of the guy getting the award and giving some of the speech. What about for you, Go? Well, what event has fallen in relevance more quickly than the Heisman presentation? This used to be a blue-collar, blue-collar, what am I saying? Not blue-collar. Blue-chip. Blue-chip, big deal. Yeah, this used to be a blue chip event on the ESPN schedule, the Heisman Trophy presentation. I mean, you could get a three rating, five million viewers, and it wasn't even necessarily like a spectacular year. I mean, you were just, that was the way it would draw. And it's nothing now. I don't know what happened. I don't know if it was a generational deal, if it was social media. It's just, it is a whole bag of nothing with the Heisman Trophy presentation as a national draw. And uh, yeah, I mean, the ratings will be up this year just because last year's Heisman was in January on a Tuesday, you know, and virtual. And virtual, but, right, right. Yeah. It's not going to, I mean, they're, they're uh, Marchand uh, in the post the other day had, uh, apparently they're going to be doing it in like some big Hamilton studio. Why Correct. waste the money? Just, I mean, why? You know, I mean, you can hey, do I it will blow your mind. Are you ready to have your mind blown for just 30 seconds here? Maybe 60 seconds. They used to do this presentation and eventually they started televising it, but they would do this presentation at a banquet at the downtown athletic club in New York. And they would swear everybody, including the winner to secrecy. And then like the next day they would do the TV show that would run everywhere where there were a certain finite amount of people that knew who the winner was already. And now they're revealing it on the TV show. I remember talking to Archie Griffin uh, and he's readily given these interviews for years who won the back-to-back awards. And he said, the first year that I won it, he goes, they actually called me. They called the Ohio State Sports Information and said, we need you to come to New York. You've won the Heisman Trophy. They came right out and told him. 
And then he went and told some people and it got it got out and it got him in trouble a little bit. Well, then the next year he knew not to do that, even though he was the favorite. So they've always battled with secrecy. But how about that? They used to give it out, have the banquet, and then still for the rest of the country, couldn't do this in the present day with the Internet and social media, but they would keep it quiet. They would keep it quiet till the next day and do the reveal. How about you that? Can't, you can't embargo anything now. You just can't. No way. All right, so the Heisman presentation coming Saturday. We'll see how he is. It is still very cool to have all the former winners that they have, to have that back, to have them standing up on the stage. That's a really neat thing. All the former winners that still have the award. (laughs) (laughs) There are some that have had it taken away. And there are some that are, for example, now out of prison and don't have their award anymore. And I'm not sure if they're invited anymore. And I think you can figure out who I'm talking about uh, on that, if he gets his invite or not. Let's move on one more, and then we've got to go love it or leave it. Fun one. Just going to hit you with this for the immediate off-the-cuff reaction. There's debate. I love the series of movies. They're going to be back on coming up. Die Hard with Bruce Willis. Is it a Christmas movie? Christmas setting, but it's John McClane, Bruce Willis's character, battling the terrorists that have taken hostages uh, in the Nakatomi Plaza, is that love it or leave it, John Lewis? Is that a Christmas movie? Well, you've asked the right person. You know, I did a, uh, I did a some kind of college essay on the whole Die Hard series, all the way through Live Free or Die Hard. Right. Yeah, I'm not. You know, it's interesting because I'm not necessarily a fan. You know, uh, the first one is an excellent movie. The second one, I think, is the one with Samuel L. Jackson. Or the no, second no. one is actually at the airport, right, uh, in Washington D.C., where he's got to save his wife's plane from crashing. The third one is Samuel L. Jackson, where they're going around in New York yeah. with the terrorists, is maybe going to blow up a school. Exactly. Yeah, the first. I mean, once you get to the second time, you have to do with terrorists. It no longer has any realism because that's a once in a lifetime deal for most people who aren't in SEAL Team Six, right? <laughs> so you know, uh, the first one. It's a, it's a very entertaining movie. Uh, it is set, if I can interject, it's set on Christmas Eve. Yeah, the other yeah. ones are not set. Actually, uh, the Live Free or Die Hard was released July 4th weekend, and it's set around July 4th, I think, in the summertime. But So I'm, I'm honing you back in. Is it a Christmas movie because the Christmas tree is up? They're having the Christmas Eve party. Some people are saying, no way, never. I say it has to be. What say you love it or leave it? Christmas movie? I think a Christmas movie depends on what feeling you get from it. And I would say that, uh, yeah, it is a Christmas movie because I think uh, I, I do feel some level of Christmas spirit when I think about Die Hard, right? You know, I mean, it's, it's as much a Christmas movie as Scrooged, which, you know what, when I was a kid, I, I loved it. And, and watching it as an adult, I don't think it's any good, Scrooged. I got so you I'll, I'll give Die Hard a, a step up on that. By the way, Die Hard originally released in the summer, in the summer of 1988. It was not released at Christmas time. It was a summer blockbuster set in Christmas. And of course, it ends. I don't think I'm revealing, uh, you know, the great secrets here. It ends with the Nakatomi Plaza in part being blown up and all the paper flying around everywhere symbolizing snow because they're playing Mm -hmm. the weather outside is frightful. Let it snow, let it snow, let it snow. And it's copy paper falling down in Los Angeles on Mm -hmm. Christmas Eve. I say yes on those. Uh, We have come to the end of another SportsMediaWatch.com podcast. John, Lewis, anything else in closing before we are done here? Uh, I feel like every time I go to ESPN.com, it kills more brain cells. You go there, and after the top story, you scroll down. Here's some kind of thing from Woj about Dame. Here's Stephen A. saying something he doesn't believe so he can get some clicks. 
You know, you scroll down further. Here's Marcus Spears doing something colorful to try and get you to click, blah, 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 all the time. Nothing but their morning show stuff. More Stephen A. Man, ugh, the content in ESPN, just generally. I feel like the days of the cores, light, cold, hard facts, and the, uh, what was it? The, oh, oh, what was it? Oh, man, if I can remember the name of this thing, they used to do this weird thing on Sports Center. It was the Bud Light Hot Seat, I think. Yes. Yeah. Right. The days of that. They used to do things on ESPN like every week uh, to recap the NFL. They would play the Ann Twin song. They would do a montage every week yes. to the I Love Football on TV, Shots of Gina Lee, Hanging with My Friends and Twins. I know all. I know the lyric to that by heart. I can keep going. I, I can tell. I can tell. Yeah. Are, you saying, are you so saying that ESPN is in it to serve ESPN, their interests, their shows, their host? I mean, what, I'm I think saying, that's exactly what you're saying. Obviously, that's what they're in it for. I'm saying ESPN right now feels like a more mind-numbing viewing experience than it was even in the mid-2000s when it was really, really bad. And man, they got to get John Skipper back. I'm so sorry for all the all the ways I thought John Skipper was the problem. He definitely wasn't. And man, they uh, they, they lost their soul. I mean, it's I don't think ESPN has ever been more of a mind numbingly just insult to your intelligence kind of thing. That is. Hey, there's a note to end it on. Happy holidays, ESPN. John Lewis, (laughs) SportsMediaWatch.com. Uh, again, follow him at Paulson underscore SMW for all the takes on Twitter. Read the site as well. Uh, again, we've come to the end of another podcast here. Subscribe away. Again, uh, follow us on Apple Podcast, on Spotify, subscribe, Google Podcast, Stitcher, et cetera, Spreaker. We are good for now with another edition. We did cover a lot of different things here. We now know the college football playoffs, uh, matchups, the NFL stretch run in progress, the NBA underway, the NHL underway. Baseball lockout going on, but again, oh, yeah. if if the tree falls in the forest and no one's there to hear it, yeah. if you have a lockout in December, does it really matter until it's spring training or the season? I don't know. Anyway, John is writing about all things media, the ratings, and more on the site. John, I always love being with you. Have another great week. Thank you, sir. Hey, thank you. And, you know, uh, baseball's lockout. If you ever want to know, even though the ratings were better than the NBA Finals two years in a row, even though it does well in attendance, if you want ever, ever want to know where baseball is, they're having a lockout and nobody cares. Nobody. Yeah. True. Very true. Uh, by the way, the uh, person that solved the previous lockout, the federal judge that solved it, is now a Supreme yeah. Court justice, Sonia Sotomayor of New York, when she told the owners, uh, no, you can't do what you're doing. You're going back to work. Uh, is she going to step in now? I don't know. Stay tuned. We'll find out. She's got other pressing business right now with the Supreme Court, but she solved it back 25 years ago. On that note, I think we're good. John, thank you. Have a great week. All right. Thank you. Thank you for being with us as well on this edition of the SportsMediaWatch.com podcast. Bye. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. 
CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio.